Welcome to the Real Real World Podcast, a podcast with a boomer and a millennial, a mom and a son, and we talk about real world issues, about different things going on, as well as how they could affect us and our faiths. I am Brian, and I am your host for today, and my amazing co-host is... Bobby, and I am your mother. Sorry. Yeah, I'm mom, just so my mom is silly. very, very tired right now, so she's I am very so goofy. Silly. This is actually our I think our fifth or sixth take to start this. This is and I mean and it's a serious topic and and so I want to be serious. The tribulation's never serious. Oh okay. Mm. All right. So mom, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I've been decorating for fall, so I'm um I'm just super tired. I was moving furniture and f- just I didn't. I didn't see any all fall decorations, though. Oh, what, <laughs> yes, you did. Is that where all the pumpkins are for? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Silly boy. All right. Yeah. So yeah, today, uh, w- my mother actually requested this topic, talking about the tribulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, for a lot of people, where specifically what she wanted to talk about was when the rapture occurs during that time period. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because there's different schools of thought. There's different three. There's three different main schools of thought. There, you'll hear people talk about it as pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, and occasionally you'll hear other people throw in something called pre-wrath, which is really just mid-trib. Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And we wanted to just talk about these pretty this pretty serious issue with you guys, just because a lot of times people will throw out this these words, especially. Whenever there's wars going on, natural disasters, anything that goes with the signs of the times that Jesus talked about in the Gospels, where he talked about wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, and all Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really, I think the starting point is, what is the rapture? And so the rapture is an event where Christians, uh, we believe, will be caught up in the clouds. And so in the Latin Vulgate... The verb for being caught up in the clouds is is like raptura or something like that, and that's where we get the term rapture from. Okay. The passage is First Thessalonians four seventeen. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Uh, then, if you guys are wondering what the tribulation is, it is pretty much all the bad things of the Book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there are three different forms of judgments. There are the seals then the trumpets, and then the bowls of wrath. And then those three sets of judgments upon the earth are what we consider the tribulation, a time of great testing and trouble and suffering on the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I wanted to open this up a little bit. Mom, what are your, some of your questions? What are some of the thoughts that are going into your head? As far as <clears throat> the actual rapture or yeah, so the we, tribulation we're, period? We're talking which? about... Pre-trib, mid-trib, uh, post-tribulation. Mm-hmm. I guess maybe the starting point would be like, where do you stand? Well, you know, it's interesting. Or, uh, <clears throat> or what questions or things are you thinking about? Because sometimes it's yeah. hard for me to figure out what people want to know, just because in my head I've been forced to study this since I was like twelve. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think to me this is like one. Real of Real quick, sorry. Forced sure. to study because of my school, not because of my parents. I want to clarify right. that. Right. Yeah, because you you went and got your master's in seminary, so yeah, master's of divinity. So, um, you know, from my perspective, I think this is kind of like a second tier kind of situation where it's not something that affects your salvation. Um, 
whether or not you believe you're pre-mid or post-trib. And to be honest with you, I've never really focused too much on it. You know, when I've, um, I know that <clears throat> we went to Calvary Chapel for many, many years and they are, they're pretty much pre-trib. Yes. You know, and I read a couple articles from a couple of the, the Calvary's, um, Calvary Chapel pastors, and um, they basically feel like there just can't be any other way. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty adamant about it. Yes. Um, but I don't know. As, as I was reading through it, I I thought you could make an argument for any of the, for all of them. and yeah, Because it's not 100% clear in Scripture. I mean, there's certainly Scriptures that you can refer to for each of the ways. Um, and I think some's a little stronger than others, but... I think the one with the weakest is probably mid-trib. I think that, that that one has the weakest amount of scriptural support. And I'd probably be more in line with that than pre or post. Okay, that's interesting. So I would slightly disagree with my experience. Okay. Uh, I would say mid-trib is actually solid. Like it's decent but not great. Mm-hmm. Pre-tribulation, I think, has the worst arguments in mm. favor of it. Okay. Can you can you elaborate on that? Uh, well, there's not, not many passages that speak on the assumption that we won't suffer as Christians. Mm-hmm. And those that do pretty much talk about how God will shorten the time of the tribulation or how God will uh, make it easier for us during the time of tribulation rather than us not going through the time of tribulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, for most of the times when I experience people who argue pre-tribulation, they carry the uh, ex- assumption that because Jesus already bore God's wrath for us on the cross, mm-hmm. that we wouldn't have to endure that wrath and judgment upon the earth while we're alive. And I think that's a legitimate argument. I disagree with it because it's God's judgment against the universe and all sin everywhere, not just our personal individual sins like he did with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other main verse that I've seen a lot of people quote is verses like Revelations 3.10. talks about God promises the church of Philadelphia that he will keep them from the hour of testing, his time of divine judgment upon the whole world. Uh, but I think even then he's talking to a specific one of the seven churches. It's not all Christians everywhere. So maybe there is something odd or perhaps like you could even argue that there is a mid-trib in that because he won't be giving them the full testing upon the whole world. He doesn't mean he won't be giving them some. So even the passages that are saying that God will spare them doesn't mean he'll necessarily spare them of everything. It's just saying he'll spare them. So they could still end up suffering some still. Right, right. And that, you know, in my research, that seems to be a lot of what I read and understood that while you know, his intention would not be for us to suffer at all. I don't think it's reasonable to expect that we wouldn't suffer any tribulation. Yeah, and and it can be so difficult to even quantify because those so are the word tribulation. It's brought up because of a couple of different passages. Uh, one is in Matthew 24, where Jesus says he will shorten the time of the great tribulation for the sake of the elect. <laughs> And then another one is in Revelation 7.14, where John is describing a great vision of all sorts of different peoples coming of every multitude of every nation uh, before the throne of God and praising him. 
right after this is the judgment of the trumpets uh, and everything that goes on with that. And so it can make a little sense of mid-trib specifically in context of the idea of the tribulation because the tribulation's after the seals and before the trumpets. But at the same time, the tribulation itself, it talks about as already of having happened almost in the context that it's used in Revelations. And in Matthew, it seems as well that the tribulation has already passed so maybe or bef- being shortened. Maybe before we go on any further... I think one of the books of the Bible that is the most confusing is Revelation. And I've heard so many different just uh, perspectives on it, as well as, of course, this whole topic. And I was wondering (laughs) if you could give me like a short story on the book of Revelation and what you what what you can tell me about that. Sure. Uh, So. Whatever I have students who ask me to talk about Revelation or talk about the end times with them, I tell them, and I've even, I know I get this from my older brother because he's also told students this all the time. Uh, if you want to understand the book of Revelation, you need to read and understand the other 65 books of the Bible perfectly. Because Revelation is full of references and allusions to all the other books, as well as it's just. You need a founding idea of a lot of different end-time prophecies in the day of the Lord and the prophets as well to get an idea that there are some things that we won't have a great idea for. There'll be some things that'll be completely like we hit the nail on the head, and there'll be a lot of things that we're like, how did we miss this? Hmm. I mean, because look at the time of Jesus. All these people had scripture memorized, and no one until after it, way after it happened was like, oh, hey, that was the thing that was fulfilled right here. You mean while while he was walking this while earth, he was like walking the earth, they, he, people just didn't even realize who he was and you know what had been foreknown and and shared, and they didn't figure it out. So yeah, in that sense, where I say Revelation <coughs> can be a bit of a trip to read because it's a lot of John the Apostle's visions, uh, it's Jesus speaking to him, and then an angel, an archangel, guiding him around through various visions that he's seeing while he is currently imprisoned at this time. Right. He's in Patmos, right? He's in the island of yeah. Patmos. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, if you really want to explain the book of Revelations to someone, the best way to do it is actually quite simple. Um, this was actually one of the two bigger points I wanted to talk about near the end, but I guess we can actually, it's probably okay. better to talk about near the beginning. Okay. Why does all this matter? And the first part is, one, so that way there's no great sense of fear. Uh, A lot of times talking about the end times can create a great sense of fear, especially with like the Left Behind movies, whenever I saw those as a kid, or the the books, or all these people who, they emphasize all the trauma and all the horror that will be going on during during the tribulation. In fact, um, when Brian was little, like when he was a child and he was like 11, he was really he he went through a period of time where he was so fearful fearful of the rapture, and I don't yeah. know if you remember that or not. I was a, I was a bit younger than eleven. Eleven oh. would have been post fifth grade. Okay. This, but this I would have you been were eleven or twelve. I, I was like in second Maybe. to fourth grade. Okay, all right. So my my bad. It's all um, good. But anyway, yeah, you had this time period where you were just so fearful. I was. I had chronic nightmares all the time uh, of death of different horrors. Uh And it was a really awful time period. And legitimately, the end times is going to be awful. I mean, you can't sugarcoat that. The the book of Revelations and other passages in Scripture talk about 
the awful things that go on. And while those things are awful, it is also a form of God's judgment. And what God's communicating to us is that there's hope, one, because judgment is coming. And we know we're good. We have Jesus. We're going to be fine. No matter how awful things are. As Christians. As Christians, we've yes. got Jesus. Uh, and so we, we can have comfort in knowing that there's justice and that there's eternity. There's hope. Things will get better. Because the other side of that judgment is eternity. As well as create a sense of urgency. That while, yes, we shouldn't be going around obsessive and afraid of the end times. And that's why they wrote about it. As well as we also do need to have a sense of urgency. We can't be lazy. We can't be sitting on our thumbs doing nothing. We have to do know, we have to know that the day of judgment is actually still coming. Uh, and so it's interesting that you, we, you, when you initially started to describe revelation that Jake said that I, I don't remember hearing him say that. So you guys have had a conversation about that. When did I say Jake said anything? You said your older brother, Scott. Oh, you were talking about Scott. I guess they're both older. I don't know why I, I just assumed that you meant Jake, but you <laughs> meant Scott. There's okay. a growing number of people who think I'm older than Scott. No, no, no. I, I think I know. Um, <clears throat> but I th- I don't know what made me think you... I thought you said oldest brother. No. I, okay. Scotty. Okay. All right. Uh, well, anyways. Yeah. Sorry for that. <laughs> it's not good. Divergent. Uh, so when we talk about the rapture and we talk about these things, and that's sort of part of the purpose of it is, is to bring us hope and comfort where we talk about the rapture, talking about being caught up in the clouds with our Lord and Savior, regardless of the time period of when, we get the comfort of knowing it will happen. Right. And I think that's what's most important. And I think for me, that's why I've never really struggled with this. Like, honestly, kind of where I land might be mid-trib, but it doesn't matter if it's pre-trib or post-trib. It doesn't matter because what we're looking for is eternity. What we're looking for is at that point that we meet the Lord and yeah. regardless of when it happens, because frankly, we can't, we don't know. And he tells us we aren't, we don't know when that's going to happen. Um, he tells us he numbers the hair on his head, the number of our days yet, but we don't know what that is. And so we just have to trust in him. And if we believe in him and we've accepted him as our Lord and savior, um, then, you know, we just have to trust him and not look to things like this as being, um, you know, being fearful about it. I mean, it's understandable to have some, you know, consternation because it is, it's difficult to understand, right? But so much of the Bible is difficult to understand. That's why you have Bible scholars and why we're talking about it today because we're just trying to raise awareness again of, the different viewpoints of the tribulation period. Yeah. And, um, but, but in the end it's in and of itself, it's not that relevant. Yeah, it's not. And that's actually one of the, so I had, I, I listed two of the things for why does this matter? And there were two more that I was going to touch on later, okay. but I mean, really the, that's the fourth one is that they don't really matter. I mean, they do, but they also don't. So we don't need to be dogmatic about things. Right. Uh, we, we can know and be comforted that these aren't essential beliefs, that no one loses their salvation or understanding of their central faith right. by the by differences and regardless of when the rapture happens. 
mm-hmm. as long as you believe Jesus is the Son of God mm-hmm. and you profess him as your Lord and Savior and that he is coming again. <clears throat> but it is amazing to me how some people can be, they, they can make this a huge issue. I mean, I've oh, just yeah. read a number of articles and it's like they're adamant about their position <laughs> And it, it, it really kind of... It's very, um, distur- very funny. Disturb- disturbing is not the right word. It's just I don't understand why they dig their heels in like that for something like this when we don't know for sure. I don't care how much you've studied. You don't know for sure. Well, it's you know? even what's even funnier, though, is that remember that the word for the rapture comes from the Latin Vulgate, not even the original Greek. The idea of the rapture and being pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib didn't start till the last couple of hundred years. Mm, that's really interesting, Brian. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's really funny that the first 17... Now, I'm sure people still came to various conclusions over the course of church history, but it wasn't this mainstream conversation at all. Mm-hmm. And so I find it very funny that for 1,800 years, this conversation didn't divide us or affect us in any way. Mm-hmm. In the last 200 years, it's become very divisive. <laughs> Uh, for something that that's interesting. just not that important in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I don't think anyone else wants to suffer. Uh, and I think, again, Scotty once told me this, you uh, prepare for the worst and hope for the best, mm-hmm. or prepare for the worst and pray for the best. Mm-hmm. I would love it if we're pre-trib. Sure. But, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's scripturally accurate just because we want it to be right. true. Right. Because I think everyone can agree that we want pre-trib to be true. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so unless you had any uh, specific things you want to talk about or questions, I was going to list a couple of the main points in favor of the, the different views. Yes, that sounds good. So I've already mentioned pre-trib, uh, and you may have you, you talked about how uh, you thought pre-trib had one of the better outlines in Scripture. So if you have any Scripture references to support it, I would appreciate it too. But for me and how I've studied it, understood it, the main central building block of it is the core assumption that Christ already bore all of sins, uh, all of God's wrath for us when he died on the cross and rose again. And so we won't receive that judgment again as Christians, as well as passages like Revelations 3.10, where God talks about keeping us from the hour of testing, keeping us from the time of judgment. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. So on, on this research, this was from... Bruce Ware, professor of Christian theology at Southern Seminary in in Kentucky. Yeah, Southern in Kentucky. And so he just provided some basics on each of the viewpoints. And he said, with respect to pre-trib, two main judgments are seen. The judgment of believers taking place at the judgment seat of Christ, which is found in 2 Corinthians 5.10, so that the church is made pure prior to Christ's coming to earth, Revelation 19.7-9, and the great white throne of judgment of all the unsaved at the end of the millennium, which is in Revelation 20. But that, to me, doesn't address the, the timing issue. No, it doesn't. Because yeah. if your God is all-powerful, how could he not just, when the rapture happens, do that instantaneously? Right. So so <laughs> the, the other references are the ones you've already men- mentioned. in First, first Theth- Okay, easy for me to say. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. Um, when Christ comes for the church and meets the church, right? Uh, but again, it doesn't say when. It doesn't like, mention the timing. It doesn't mention the timing. It's just in favor that there is a rapture. <laughs> right. That, I, you know, and that's kind of, I think, why I, 
I guess because we went to Calvary for so long and um, Pastor John had gone through Revelation over a long period of time and 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 I thought I understood it, you know. I mean, I thought he did a good job of, of teaching that and I think probably because that was my learning of it, I guess I just kind of stuck with that until I've been reviewing it now and it's like when I look at the what I'm reading about it, I'm seeing what you're seeing. It's like I'm not seeing anything with respect to the timing. Yeah, and that's and that, that's what makes it difficult. Is I I do think there can be some level of evidence and I think the core assumption that God that Jesus already bore all of God's wrath for us is a great one. I think that's a very strong argument. But I don't think there's a whole lot of biblical support when it comes to timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, then, so next is mid-tribulation. Uh, since Paul writes a trumpet sounding in the sign of Christ returning in that same passage, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, uh, that's, I think, 4.16 was when he talks about that, it is commonly considered the rapture happens after the sixth seal and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are talked about in Revelation 6, 7, and 8. After these events, Revelation describes more judgments in a seventh seal, seven trumpet, trumpets, and then the six bowls of wrath. Since it happens in the middle, after after the sixth seal, before the seventh, which the seventh seal is the first trumpets, <laughs> all sorts of little <laughs> fun <laughs> things like who's on first, what's on second. Uh, but since it happens in the middle, people tend to think the rapture is mid-tribulation. Uh, in the book of Revelation, so it happens in the middle of the judgments. Then there's also Matthew 24. The days of tribulation will be cut short for the sake of the elect. Uh, I, I Apparently, I, didn't forgo- I forgot to write down which verse that was in Matthew 24. Uh, but the six bowls of wrath... 22, maybe? Okay, Matthew 24, 22. Might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the six bowls of wrath seem to be a special judgment. Uh, this is another thing that I notice. While the seals and trumpets seem to be things that can happen with or without God's active judgment... And so there's a lot of people who also think that it's mid-trib, but it's not after the seals, it's after the trumpets. Which to me, it's all, again, who's on first, it's still in the yeah. middle. Uh, but it's the idea that there's special judgments that only God will orchestrate, and then there's more of natural judgments. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That was one of the things that I did notice here on the mid-trib, and it said here, again, this is that same reference, that the first half of the tribulation period, the first three and a half years is, is seen as natural tribulation. All right. But so before we continue, oh, okay. You just talked about three and a half years. Okay. Do you know where that's in reference to? Um, Cause that just whole, well, opened just the whole halfway. can of worms. I mean, isn't it just halfway? How do we know it's seven years? That I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, I thought that it's, was that's something that's there. thrown around so much. There is the seven years is not in the Bible. It's a reference to the book of Daniel, where you talk about the 70 weeks and the sufferings okay, of Israel weeks. Okay. and all these things. And uh, we begin to look at different analysis. And eventually people conclude that the, the 70th week or the time of judgment, all that, that's seven years. Through a lot of legwork, a lot of right. guesswork, and a lot of other, I mean, l- logic. Uh, but realistically, we don't know how long the tribulation is. Okay. Because that's not explicitly mentioned. And I'm not, I'm not saying that to disagree with mm-hmm. you. I think most people, most scholars yeah. would agree it's seven years and yeah. it's normally split in half. I couldn't tell you, I, I couldn't have said that, that it came from the Daniel with the 70 weeks. But uh, the reason I wanted to voice that was because a lot of my views, I don't believe the tribulation is going to be seven years. Mm. Uh, 
Well, and again, can we also say in terms of timing? Yes. You know, to to the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day, right? Yeah, when and, when God talks about how long are the the suffering and judgment of the earth exactly. is exactly. So how do we know that that doesn't come into play here? Yes, I mean, be, <laughs> yeah, and so exactly, yes, uh, because one of the things I've noticed is if you're going with that line of thought that there are some of these some of these judgments that God is allowing to happen are potentially natural, like He doesn't have to cause them to exist. Then how do we know that? some aspect of the tribulation isn't already going well, on I, I, from, and hasn't I'm, been going I, on for since like, Jesus died. You know, when you think about um, global warming, I know that the climate crisis that that is big in the news, um, and, and I've never disputed that it in fact is happening. My issue is more with how they want to fix it. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, um, I forget the saying my mom used to, she used to say, I, I can't remember, so I'm not even going to try to say it, but. Um, <clears throat> how, how, how does, how would you talk about climate change with in regard to the judgments and what Yes, way? yeah. Well, yeah. just that it's happening and that could be a natural tribu- tribulation because when I think about how it's affecting the water supply in California, mm-hmm. you know, we've been in drought for, for so long. And, um, but I mean, there's, you know, there's just, it's just, there's so many different types of events, but on the other hand, again, I'm not sold on that a hundred percent either in the sense that we've only been keeping statistical information for about a hundred years. We don't know, you know, exactly what transpired before that exactly. So that's why I'm saying like, you know, when you, you can have scientists that just completely disagree with each other. And, um, I know there's just, I mean, it's just a big thing in the, in the news right now. And so, uh, I'm just saying that that's an example of something that could be part of natural tribulation. Uh, yes. And potentially no. So in the bowls of wrath, one of the actual things is that God takes some of the sun and he pours it out mm-hmm. upon the earth as a judgment of fire. So I think if global warming is a judgment of wrath, it's very possible that it's, God created. Well, see, th- this is and kind not, of... And my, not just... But I mean, that's my I point. I think we can contribute it to it, but... But, but that's actually always been my point. Whenever I would want to talk to somebody about, you know, climate change, global warning, it's like, if it's happening, it's because the Lord is allowing it to happen for whatever reason, for his purposes, because ultimately, you know, it's all going to come back to him anyway. I mean, if it was meant for bad, he's going to make it good. And maybe it is part of the natural tribulation. But, Who knows? And I think this is actually a really important thing to talk about when we when people go on, go around talking about the tribulation and the different potentialities. Uh, we also need to not be we need to be careful of how we speak about things because we also don't want to dismiss things. Global warming could be entirely our fault, and mm-hmm. it could be us being failing to steward God's sure. earth. Absolutely. Absolutely, uh, I agree 100%. And so, mm-hmm. and whether, regardless of how you stand on how certain judgments are in the book of Revelation, people need to be very mindful of how they communicate those. Because I actually know a lot of Christians who are pre-trib, and they believe that uh, the Christians who become Christians during the tribulation are Jews, and that mm-hmm. uh, essentially the tribulation is one giant event to orchestrate their salvation or slaughter. Mm. And now while, yes, we want everyone to be saved, a lot of Jews 
see Christians being in favor of Zionistic beliefs, being in favor of Israel, and they view it as actually anti-Semitic because it's this idea of follow our Lord or you'll suffer. So are we talking about during the tribulation period, the 144,000? Uh, yeah, the idea of the 144,000, mm-hmm. okay. the, the small handful that God has saved for himself of his original people. Mm-hmm. And who knows even how metaphorical that is right. because we've become the seed of Abraham. We've been eng- uh, engrafted into his branches, mm-hmm. into, that, uh, into that vineyard or to that tree. There's different metaphors all over. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. But yeah, I think it's very mindful because I think there's a lot of Christians who I've heard talk about Jews in the end times and they're not trying to be anti-Semitic, but how it's communicated to Jews and how they receive it is like strong anti-Semitism. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking about we are in mid-trib. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I talked about the Matthew 24. Mm-hmm. So this is one big thing that I also wanted to make a note. Noteworthy, an enormous part of this view assumes Revel- the book of Revelations, all those visions, occur in chronological order. Hmm. How do we know which, ver- which vision comes first, comes second, comes third, comes fourth? We, we don't. I mean, I would There's- only say with regard to the inspiration to John directly that they, that's the order that it was given to him and that's why he wrote it in that order. That would be my guess, but I would have no idea. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I think that's a decent argument. My counterpoint is that whenever you talk about the prophets in the Old Testament and all their ideas and visions of judgment, they're just scattered all over the place. Right. Did all these happen, all John's visions happen all at once? Mm-hmm. Did they occur, oh, one night he had this vision, the next day he had this vision, and they're scattered? We, we really don't fully know. And I think there's an aspect to revelations that it very well could be in chronological order, but I think it, it weakens the argument of the mid tribulation when it really centers around the fact for the most part that it has to happen in chronological order. Can I, can I share that um, about, Oh gosh, at least 10 years ago or so I bought a Bible that's in chronological order and I started reading it and I was so confused that I put it down and I have never gone back to it. I'm sorry. I don't remember the name of it or who the author was, but their attempt was to put everything in chronological order. Was it still books at a time or do they literally like, you'd be like, Oh, here's stuff for Genesis. Oh, in the middle of Genesis, there's the book of Job. I believe there were some split books. And so that'd be trippy. Well, that's why I, I just put it down and I just said, I can't do this because it's almost like everything I learned I had to put away because even in my mind, I mean, and, and, and some of you probably feel the same way. Like, even though I know it's not chronological in my mind, it's chronological because, well, you know, you learn the books of the Bible and just kind of like, you know, the order of them in your mind. And so it only stands to reason that you would think that's chronological, even when you know it's not. And so when I was reading this other book, it, it threw me off so much that I just said, no, I can't do this. Yeah, and so that's that's very interesting too because like there's an aspect to that that's true, but at the same time there's an aspect to it where it is divinely inspired. Things being the exact same order all the time is a very modern idea of everything being perfectly chronological in terms of storytelling. In the ancient cultures of the world, history wasn't necessarily told chronologically. It was told in the way that best told the story and best communicated mm-hmm. the ideas and beliefs. Um, that's why in Jesus' stories, in the mm-hmm. Gospels, 
they're like if you try to make it chronological, the different books will disagree, but they don't actually disagree with each other. Mm-hmm. They disagree chronologically, but that doesn't really matter because they were trying to illustrate a point with where each message and each story was placed in right. Jesus's ministry. Okay. Uh, Is that and, good? And so, yeah, I think that's a very noteworthy point. The book of Revelations, as we understand it, because we've been taught to read everything chronologically. Right. When the time it was written, being chronological wasn't that important outside of maybe the beginning and the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now there is to the one I'm definitely have become a little bit biased in favor of uh, post-tribulation. Revelations 19 is Jesus' clear second coming. I do not think anyone can read the book of Revelations or any passage in Scripture whatsoever and not conclude that that is his clear and obvious second coming. Mm-hmm. Scripture makes it clear he will not return until the kingdom is ready. Uh, so a rapture as a separate event seems a little bit of separate from a second coming seems a little odd because Jesus won't return until it's ready. And... The rapture, as it's talked about, is being caught up in the clouds with our Lord. And then Paul himself carried the assumption that the rapture was Christ's return. He didn't elaborate on that necessarily because his uh, because the time of judgment and the events of judgment wasn't what he was writing about. He was trying to encourage uh, the believers of Thessalonica because some of the believers had died. And they're all worried that, oh, those dead believers are doomed. And he says, no, 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 don't worry. When the second coming happens... Everyone will be raised from the dead, and then those who are still alive will be brought up into heaven with him. And the other, and I think the most important aspect of this, is it allows for different theological views on exactly what all of Revelations means, uh, being symbolic or happening since uh, Christ's return, whether or not it's already happened, or various views of like maybe you're an amillennialist, because that's something we haven't even talked about yet. Is there a literal thousand-year reign? After Jesus' second coming on earth. So wait a minute. You're a millennial. What's an amillennial? Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't resist that. Yeah. It means uh, it means I hate my own uh, uh, p- eight people of my age group. <laughs> uh, and I think there's a lot of other passages, but there's a very clear, implicit bias towards the second coming and the resurrection of all believers as well as the idea of the rapture all being the same event in Scripture. And so I, that's why I don't view the second coming and the rapture as two separate events. I feel like they have to be the same event. Mm. No, I think, there's, I think there's plenty of room for that, some people to disagree. Mm-hmm. But I think the other aspect of this that I mentioned is that there's various theological views within post-tribulation, uh, like being all millennialist as well as other various believes as well when you believe that the second coming and the rapture are the same event so this is an interesting um line of support for a post-trib it says <clears throat> pardon me the church is never told that it's going to escape tribulation the greek word philipsis which is tribulation is used 55 times in the new testament and 47 of these relate to tribulation to be endured by the saints Yep. <laughs> Am I making your case for you? <laughs> uh, and that's and that's why one of I, I wouldn't call myself an all millennialist, but there's I think there's a great aspect to the judgments or the natural judgments are things we could already have been gone through or be going through as we are live right now. Mm-hmm. 
And that's just because Makes sense to me. Those are things that we're, we're meant to go through. And those so, are aspects of the church that like we are meant to suffer through. So it seems to me that uh, mid-trib and post-trib are more related to each other. Yeah, because I mean, again, that's just a timing issue. Yeah, I mean, I know it's all a timing issue, but the thing is, I think they're more related because there's at least a period of time that there's a recognition that Christians will go through tribulation. Yes, and whereas pre-trib is none whatsoever, and um, yes, as yeah. well as there's flexibility with mid-trib and post-trib about what the tribulation is and how long it's going to be. Uh, whereas like I could say, maybe we've been going through an aspect of the tribulation for the last 2000 years. Yeah. And yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and interesting that you say that, but this other point was that it says throughout revelation six to 18, the people of God are present and this includes the church. And there's no reason to exclude the church from the tribulation passages. Yes, and that's something that's also repeatedly emphasized is how a lot of the church is suffering throughout the book of Revelations. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's like there are some people who are pre-trib and they'll also like argue that the or mid-trib and they'll argue that the times and references that whatever talks about Christian suffering are either Christians who became Christians because they're aware of the Bible after the rapture happened. Mm. And so it'd be like the 144,000 mm -hmm. or whoever, the people who come to faith mm -hmm. in the midst of suffering. Because think of all the people who they grew up hearing the stuff they didn't believe. And imagine if right now the rapture happened. Mm -hmm. All those people would be scared. <laughs> well, let's just say, you know, I think the best depiction of the rapture was the movie Left Behind. And, like, I mean, just in terms of, like, putting your finger on it and kind of seeing, like, the impact where, like, they would show half the people on the plane where their clothes were just laying there on the seat you know, and, and things like that. I thought that was, like, really, like, helpful to kind of get a glimpse of what it could be like, you know. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and clearly some came to Christ, you know, after the rapture on that movie, so. Yes. You just have to be careful. Because, and I know oh, it's a movie. I, yeah, because but, it's a movie, but also, sure. like. I need to be mindful of when I talk about, like, that is a great example, but I also disagree with the example because I disagree with its premise. The rapture and the second coming are one event to me. So I don't, uh, I don't have you as panic ensuing after the fact because, mm -hmm. I mean, there is. It's just because Jesus is back uh -huh. and he's brought judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not because there's about to be other terrible things going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on this episode, Mom? I think that's a pretty much the outlining of all these main points are, as well as talking a little bit about the things that are seem to be against them. Um, so just kind of going back to the beginning um, where, where you were talking about, again, as far as the tribulation itself is like we, I don't think, I don't know. Maybe it is confusing, but like this this comment, this is from Ebenezer Bible Fellowship Church. Ooh, yay. I don't I don't really know who they are. They, they sound like a bunch of Scrooges. I don't know, but um they could be. Was, but anyway, that was a joke for all you people out there who laughed when <laughs> my mom didn't. Sorry, cuz I was focused on what it is that I was going to yeah, say. Uh -huh, mm -hmm, sure. <laughs> but anyway, that you know, Jesus says 
He promises to keep us from something, right? Um, he says, I also, you will keep out of the hour of the trial. And so, again, whatever we read, whatever we understand, again, we don't know the time. Yeah. And so, and I think, you know, certainly a lot of people have suffered here on earth, whether or not we're going through tribulation or not. Certainly some people have gone through tribulation and um, it may not be the, the tribulation that that's referring to what we're talking about, but I'm sure some people would, would argue that because they feel like they're in hell right now, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I, I think we just have to be today. totally. And so I think we just have to be mindful that again, we're, we're discussing this because there's different schools of thoughts, but different schools of thought over something that's considered very divisive in our, amongst our own faith. And it's normally not handled very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, the other comment that, that, that he said, which I liked was, says Jesus clearly emphasizes the fact that the church is not going to be preserved through, but rather kept from this hour of testing, which is in the future. Again, when that is, I don't know. Mm. We don't know. That's not clear. Yeah, we don't fully know. Uh, And because in my head, that'll be an aspect of maybe Christians will band together when everything is all anarchy. Mm Mm-hmm. Or maybe we'll have community community with each other and things will be easier. Or perhaps as simple as those awful things isn't just the end times, but it's also the judgment. We're kept from the final judgment. And we're kept from any sort of greater pain or anything that is beyond that. So I don't have Revelation 3.10 in front of me, but um, so what they're talking about here is that what the promise is that the church would be kept from rather than to be preserved through. And I think that that's, I mean, it's the opposite of that. It's, I mean, what he's saying is we enforce the idea that it means to keep from rather than to preserve through. So, um, again, it's just saying that, you know, Jesus wants to keep us from a horrible trial, but what, what is that? I mean, we could still be partially in it. There could be, naturally tribulation as we've talked about um again it's not clear and so we don't want getting back to what you said in the beginning it's like there's no need to fear i mean we don't know and the bottom line is stay close to jesus keep pursuing jesus keep him close by um talk to him daily Mm -hmm. and and um i mean that's what's most important and you know that you will be taken care of. Yeah, exactly. God's got our back no matter what. No matter mm-hmm. what judgments he brings on this earth. Right. He, he's with us. Right. He lives in us. He indwells in us. Right. And his son died for us. Mm-hmm. And he rose again. And he's Amen. conquered death. And we're all good. Absolutely. Uh, but I still think that keeping us from... The hour of testing or the hour of trial is for you know judgment, not 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 uh, <laughs> not, not tribulation. Well, you know, I'm gonna say honestly, I don't know, and I'm just not overly um, concerned about it. It's not something that um, yeah is going to keep me awake at night. Yep, 
one of the and that so this is and this is the thing that I think maybe we can almost conclude on. There's a premise in scripture that talks about the here but not yet. It's an aspect of how prophecy is fulfilled. Uh, whenever like Jesus prophecy being born of a virgin, the word virgin means like young woman. It's typically connotated with someone being an actual virgin. Uh, but the Isaiah passage was a something an explicit example that God said, "Hey, I'm going to do this for one of the kings of Israel in the time that was preached, and it was fulfilled at that time. But it achieved its true fulfillment in Jesus being born of a virgin birth." And I think that's an aspect that we can all look at almost all prophecies with. That there's an aspect of the Church of Philadelphia that Revelation 3.10 is about. Well, they didn't. They don't have to go through judgment because all those people are now dead. <laughs> uh, Good point. Uh, and so that is fulfilled mm-hmm. as we are alive today. And there's another aspect. Maybe that could be for the entire church as well. Maybe it's meant to be treated more literally. We we don't fully know. We don't know exactly the we know the we know the here, we know how things have been fulfilled, but we don't know how things will reach their true and final fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's like I'm post trib. It sounds like my mom lands on pre uh, not pre mid trib. Definitely not pre trib. Definitely sure. not pre trib. I, I was before though, and in doing this research it's like nah. You know, it, it just didn't, it just seemed weaker and weaker because I did start with pre-trib, then I went into mid-trib, and I'm like, I think there's some arguments for that. Yep. Uh, but I think the biggest part of this is that there's room for us to be wrong, room Absolutely. for us to be right, but also most room that doesn't really matter that much. We know the central ideas of what these things mean mm-hmm. and that God is with us. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Uh, like always, I have a couple of verses to share. Mark thirteen thirty two. But concerning that day, in that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And John fourteen three. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Amen. All right. So if you guys have any thoughts you would love to share with us or give us feedback, you can email us at realworldpod at gmail.com. Hope you guys have a great week. All right. Have a great week, everybody. See ya.